Matt Ray, you've been over in Australia for a, quite a long time, so you're the perfect person uh, to answer this question. But I want to start it off with an article that luckily uh, you found. Evidently, yeah. in uh, South America, Colombia specifically, uh, the, the title of this article is Chasing Colombia's Cocaine Hippos. So the backstory oh, okay. here is uh, Pablo Escobar built uh, yep. a $60 million, uh, I don't know what we'd call it, a ranch, a compound, compound. Uh, where yeah. I think he yeah. was uh, in, quote unquote, in prison during his time. And one of the things he, he built, I guess, was a small zoo. Upon That's his, what he does. Uh, yeah, I mean, because, like, you know, when you, you have time on your hands. And so upon his death, uh, most of these uh, animals were, you know, taken and uh, put into, I guess, you know, zoos and, and various nature wildlife around uh, around the world, probably, you know, uh, all over the place. But yep. I guess, evidently, the hippo is very large, and you can't move hippos. <laughs> so the hippos yeah, yeah. have now escaped, and uh, they are, I guess, a natural uh, – animal in the wildlife and they're the only hippos as i have now recently learned outside of africa that i guess are in the wild and there's 80 or 100 yep. they're predicting them to go to a thousand in the next 20 to 40 years so my not, question not a lot of predators yeah my question for you is if you can bring one animal back from australia to populate the united states something that we do not have which animal is it going to be are you going with the obvious kangaroo or are there some other type of animals that you've now seen in Australia that we need here in the United States. Oh, wow. Wow. I hadn't really given that enough consideration. I mean, usually, usually Australia is on the receiving end, right? We right. got, uh, but I thought things were really, rabbits. I thought it was really tight controlled. Like you can't get new animals into Australia. Oh, it's, they're they're no, like no, no, very no. insane that, about like that, bringing a that, dog that, to Australia is very difficult, right? Well, that's, that's cause they don't have rabies, right? Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't have rabies, but like um, at all, like the whole continent, not at all. Yeah. No, wow. no rabies. Okay. Uh, but but uh, the whole uh, invasive species, um, that's that uh, that that cat's out of the bag literally. Um, so they've got <laughs> you know they've got the rabbits and the foxes and um, uh, I think they have stoats. Uh, they have obviously rats and and the dogs came over and became dingoes. Mm. Um, but the dogs, I mean, come on. Everyone needs a dog. I mean, can you really can a, can a continent be against dogs? I mean, that seems seems you know, pretty tough. And, and, and Antarctica drew a pretty hard line. Um, but uh, yeah, like, what about so, the koala bear? Is the koala bear an obvious one? Do like uh, they, no, they they seem no. very? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of stuffed animals here in the United States. Koala bears. Does that mean yeah. anything? I, I don't think the koala bear has what it takes, though. I mean, to, to survive. Not not to survive. I'm thinking like if if you if you brought them over to the U.S. How are you know set them loose in in California uh -huh. for example? I think people like, would love it. People would love the koala bear. Uh, yeah, because no, kangaroos the koala, are the mean. Not gonna make. Well, you know the wallabies. You get some of the smaller ones. Okay, um, I might I might go with the wombat. The wom I'd love oh, to see the wombat is... on the Great Plains. Oh, this is a that's a depressing. <laughs> the wombat. That's like, yeah. do they fly? Like, are they the ones that fly? Like, no, crazy? no, or... wombats are the the little ground ones that dig the holes. And, uh, uh, yeah. And they have like the reverse pouches that, that face backwards and, uh, they, they're, I don't know. The they're kind of like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do I was, okay. How about, how about, how about the echidna? Well, let me now, ask okay. this. I'm going to go, let's go a different direction slightly. Like do, um, you know, obviously like here in the United States, every high school has a, a mascot, usually an animal, not always usually an animal, yeah. right? You know, bulldog, I think is. Bulldog, tigers, those are usually wildcats. the wildcats. Yeah. I mean, those are very popular ones. So 
in Australia, does this, do they have the same tradition? Do the, the schools have like sports teams and do they have mascots? Like what are the popular mascots out down there? They definitely have, uh, uh, mascots. I, I, I don't think the schools, I'm trying to think if my kids' schools have it. Um, my, my, my older kids' schools definitely do not. Um, I, I don't think they do. Uh, you know, maybe they're, Nothing. Yeah. I, I think we, I think this was a, a dinner conversation at some point. I was like, you know, what's, uh, what's the Manly West, uh, mascot, you know, are you guys the, the fighting wombats or, you know, the, the killer kangaroos. And they're like, no dad, no, no. it doesn't happen. <laughs> no, mm. Mm. no. Okay. Well, this leads me to my next question about us, okay. uh, kids going to school in Australia. My son loves YouTube and we're watching, he likes to watch this show called this invest, the investigators don't watch it. It's awful. But it's uh, it's an Australian TV show about a, some preteens that I guess do like little investigations around their middle school. And yep. so the other day, one they were, these kids were in grade three or something. And I was like, I was like, what is? Or no, they weren't in grade three, but they were like, it's like it's like, what does this even mean? So we didn't understand like the grading system. That was a whole problem. Year like, three. Year, year three. Year three. Was, so like, what is year three though? Is that year three from kinder or is that third year grade. third yeah. grade? Okay. Yeah, yeah, they they call kindergarten kinder, you know, kinder? kindergarten. Oh, so that's all the same. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's all just right. instead of first. Well, the thing that came up is as we were watching this bad TV show, the kids. Uh, one of the things is uh, they were having uh, curries at lunch, yeah. right? And I yep. was like, <laughs> I was asking my son, I was like, like, would you even have a curry? And he was just like, no way, right? He's he has some Indian friends, and actually, they make fantastic curry but he was like well that's he's like he's like but they're in australia i was like well listen i think they have a lot of indian influence it's probably like the same kind of stuff so uh but to him the fact that these kids were having curry at like their in if you will their their tv lunch was crazy and so this i wanted to know do children yes. of australia eat curry every day or in, during lunch and is it like not a big deal to them it's not a big deal. So, so speaking of dinner conversations, last night uh, there was arguments between uh, the youngest and the middle child about what kind of curry to have for dinner. Really? <laughs> yes, yes. And and one was in favor of Malaysian, and the other was in favor of Japanese. Oh, see, this sounds fantastic. I think this would be great oh, to have curry. Like, I and, think, I mean, because in the United States, did you have curry a lot with your family? No, that's I mean, the thing. I mean, like, just like, never, before right? Before we moved here, yeah, the kids never ate sushi. They never had Thai food. They never had Indian food. And, you know, when we got here and slowly, you know, started acclimating them to it, you know, they, they asked for those things now. You know, they're like, they want those things. And they're like, did you guys have these back you know, when we lived in Austin, we're like, yeah, when you guys went to bed, we'd get, you know, takeout or, you know, food delivered after then, you were asleep. And they were so indignant. So indignant. Well, I They're mean, like, if they had been here. Yeah. Well, yeah. they would have never eaten it. Like sushi. No, my no. son is all into the sushi. So that, that one I don't have a problem with. But the curry, like, because he's had a lot of the, the spicier curries, right? Which is obvious. That's that's just yeah. sort of bad parenting. But a lot of times when you're around and someone's made like a curry, they make it spicy. So, all right. Fine. Okay. Final question, Matt. This is it. So, so this is this is a new segment I'm off uh, calling to. Uh, this is uh, uh, Matt Ray. Explain your Twitter feed. And this is uh, so. This oh, was no. the uh, <laughs> this was the quote I saw earlier this week from your 12 year old. I, I don't feel bad saying this because it's on Twitter. It's on Twitter, so I'm not like revealing anything yes. to stop others. Oh like, my gosh! For your your 12 year old so was quoted as saying the following: so When I die, I want to be buried at sea so I can wash up on the beach and scare some kids. So I don't even know. It's like, it's not even a question. It's just like, like what? Like, like how does this come up? 
you know? <laughs> oh man. Um, you know, uh, like parenting might not be for everyone, but, um, you know, the things that your kids say that, you know, just stick with you, that is, is one for the ages. Uh, yeah, we were just having a conversation about, you know, as one does, you know, we're in the car driving to school and, uh, what happens when you die and, you know, do, do you want to be buried or cremated, you know, what have you. And after some thought, <laughs> my daughter's like, yeah, when I die, I, I want to be buried at sea so I can wash up on the beach and scare some kids. <laughs> and obviously she's kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I shared that with, with a friend of mine who, uh, who does stand up and he's like, that's the funniest thing I've heard in weeks. <laughs> It is. It is, so, a, it is yeah. a random. I think it's even funnier. I, I don't know why. It. I just pictured like a twelve-year-old boy saying this, and I remember just like, "No, your middle child is your daughter." Yeah. And I was oh, like, no, no. "I was like, oh, I, okay." Well, there is this movement. I don't know. I don't know where it is. I can't remember the name of it. But there is a place you can go where you don't want to, like, if you will, be buried. They want you want to just like, I guess, uh, you know, just I don't know, be with nature, and you can yeah. just like basically be put out in nature and allowed to uh you know if you will return to the earth in the most natural way so there, so there, i don't know so i religions that do that yeah some religion so i i, I don't know if we want to end this with like there's hope for your daughter <laughs> or like dreams come true uh, like there it was a very uh it's i don't know i don't know how to how to bring this back but like a lot, I, a lot of a lot of tourists at the beach she could have a big impact <laughs> right. very very creative very especially creative. the beach we live near right oh i bet i bet yeah Okay, well, uh, welcome to Software Defined Talk. I am Brandon Richard. He is Matt Ray. This is not a, talk, uh, a podcast about Australian uh, weird customs. This is actually a, a podcast about technology. Sometimes, Matt, I think we've got a couple different topics this week. We'll yeah. hit on some, uh, some security discussion. We've got a little talk about some earnings stuff. But I figured we would start with our friends at Google. Seems like there's just a lot happening at uh, GCP. And I thought we'd start with maybe, you know, one of these announcements. I think clearly Thomas Curian, new Google Cloud CEO, not even new, I guess he's been around at least a year, almost a year. So it looks like he's taking a page from, you know, the enterprise sales playbook. And GCP is, if you will, reorienting itself around industry sales and solutions, right? So this yep. is like the idea of healthcare and, you know, usually finance and like several of the large uh, industries. So I think this is really a well-known playbook, um, but I was wondering, like, what do you think? Have you been in places where, at Chef, you know, uh, where like the, you kind of have the big, like, all hands meeting, and people are like, "We're going after the verticals," you know? And, yeah. and it's usually, I feel like it usually happens like when you're not growing, like you have not grown as fast as you want, uh, versus. And and maybe you know other places it's different right where it's like no we've actually just killing it we're doing so well we've decided to open up verticals I feel like it's the opposite right it's like well things aren't going as well and somebody has been told or you know read some book or an analyst has suggested to someone that oh you know really what you need is vertical solutions right and um, you know and there's the big PowerPoint and then people are like hey we're going vertical right so I don't know have have you encountered this before is this something that you've uh, seen in your career um, well. You know, so much of my career uh, as of late has been <laughs> dominated by being at the same startup for for nine years. Right. Uh, but uh, we don't really have verticals. We, we we have a Fed vertical, but that's that's about it. And because that's its own like weird beast. But uh, I, I I kind of agree with you that um, 
focusing on verticals or at least telling everybody that you're doing that does sound like it, it sounds like you're you're slowing down and you know just the widespread adoption and you're like you know we we're we're hitting you know 20% of pharmaceutical or whatever if we you know really focused on pharmaceutical we could get you know 30% of it but does that mean you're not focusing on other stuff or is your Salesforce big enough where you can actually do that? And I, you know, I don't know how big Google Salesforce is, um, especially here in APAC. You know, I, I have no idea. But you, you think in probably in North America, it makes sense to have, mm -hmm. you know, to break out your verticals. I'm sure when you're, you know, when you're like Amazon, it can all be verticals. You know, you probably, you know, they've probably got like, you know, the the <laughs> Texas healthcare vertical, they're right? I mean, verticals. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're probably hyper segmented, um, and and you can do that if if you're big enough and wide enough. Um, I would probably, but but then you know, as you're, there's also the narrative like as you're not hitting that, you're like, well we can double down on, you know, this market and it'll make us look good, but then we become, you know, known for, well, if you do one thing, you know, if, if, if healthcare is your vertical, you go to that cloud. Um, I don't know how that narrative reflects reality, uh, you know, because there's, there's, you know, if, if somebody says, oh, we're all about healthcare, you know, I'm sure Amazon can just roll out like, well, we've got these dozen healthcare stuff. And by the way, Amazon happens to be in healthcare too. But, <laughs> you know, um, so I don't really know. I mean, all I know is, uh, you know, the, the, the only vertical I get to deal with is Asia. <laughs> No, Asia that's Pacific, the geo, my friend. Geo. Yeah, yeah. You're well, the, that's a problem. My my geo is a vertical, and that's all I get right now. So, uh, but I we, think, we, you know, you hit on some interesting things there. One, I think, let's start with the Fed thing. Okay, so you want yeah. to sell to the government? Usually, people announce, "Hey, we're going to start selling to the government after they get the Fed ramp. You get your Fed ramp yeah. certifications, yep. right?" So that at least, like to me, goes hand in hand. It's like, okay, we did all this work, we got Fed ramp, and then you normally hire somebody usually based in the Washington, D.C. metro area, and they have like, some skills to navigate procurement of the federal government. And you give them FedRAMP, and you say, just go to it. So like, I'm actually in favor of that one because it's very easy to understand how it works. It's probably right? the easiest or the first you're going to go for. I agree. It's very clear like what needs to be done. Now, yeah, yeah. And when, very I'm in different. The, when I'm in the meetings, and they're always like, oh, and there's usually like – it's usually – you're never after like one vertical. When you do the verticals, you always go after anywhere between four and eight. Right. And so sometimes a lot of times I've been in situations where I like look around the room and it's like, oh, we're going in the verticals. But then I look around the room. I see everybody I know, everybody that I do. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure nobody in this room knows anything more about the vertical than that, that they knew five minutes ago before they did before they actually announced the vertical thing. So that's that's always my question when they do this. So it's like one if you're going to get into a vertical and you do some acquisition of a vertical specific solution or team, then it's like, right. I think it makes it real. If you really hire people from a specific vertical and you're using those people to drive requirements and a go to market strategy into your organization, I think that would make sense. I frankly have never seen it done. I've really never, cause like, let's just take pharmaceuticals for one. It's like usually the people who work in it pharmaceuticals, they're just going to be on this totally different career track. Right, they're just going to be doing something different. So it's not very easy that you're just going to go get somebody and inject them into like your product management organization, your sales organization, 
you know, potentially your professional services organization if someone's done a lot of it. But like most of the time, those people have kind of they're on like a different track, right? They're working up the corporate America of, of pharmaceuticals. That's where they can get a ton of money. So I don't, I don't know this idea that like a whole new team is assembled that's really bringing the expertise into the organization. Like, I'm not saying it's never happened. I just never see it, right? Because again, like well, we're normally there, and just eight verticals are launched, and then what? And uh, you know, once your comments in just a second, I'll leave you at this. It's like usually it just means like more PowerPoint slides. It means we just take the same value proposition. And you just you know turn it around and you put it in the the problems associated with the vertical and then you just like start giving that presentation and I have no problem with that that's just good product marketing but I never really think of that as like oh we're in the vertical it's just like oh we just we've just talking about problems our customers understand yeah. so I don't know what we, do you we, think we, we've got a salesperson who understands how to pitch to that but it doesn't change the product yeah and I think that's the key thing it's like what so I guess that's when I as we go forward I guess you know next year or maybe the next Google Summit like. It's great that they'll come out and they'll talk about these things. And usually they'll cite some certifications, like FedRAMP being one. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I'm sure there's usually like HIPAA is HIPAA, another one, yeah. you know, for things like that. And frankly, a lot of times those things are just good to do in general. HIPAA is like, hey, just really it's another form of keeping data secure. So that's fine. But I guess I'm interested as I look ahead here, right? And, and, um, and I was thinking back to Oracle. And I don't know, like Oracle Fusion. Do you remember Oracle Fusion? Remember that like big project? They were like doing middleware. something. Yeah, they were like putting it all together. But it was like this yeah. bigger thing. It wasn't just middleware. It was like Fusion was going to be like the centerpiece for everything. And then I remember them kind of like going to market with that and like kind of talking about it. But then I was like, I don't know. Did anything happen with that? Like, do you ever hear about Oracle <laughs> Fusion? Like, was it a success? Well, we're probably pretty far removed from that. So I <laughs> I have Maybe. no idea. Well, I'm just I trying to know. look back to like where is like what is the Oracle playback here, right? Because I do think the one thing I've heard and people have kind of clued in is that like I do think you know Thomas Carrion is extremely skilled at selling to CEOs, and I think that's different than even selling to like quote unquote executives, right? I think the kind of sales that I think at least Oracle and I think this group is good at is like this is when people talk about like the football games and things like that. It's like you come in with like a McKinsey style analyst group of people evaluate an entire business and then as part of that right you're then selling your products and solution directly to the number one person in the company right which is almost i think many hundreds of thousands of companies talk about this but i think it's executed only by a handful of people in the world yeah, like ibm yeah. being one Oracle being another and that's why i think well okay if we want to call that, like that should almost be like its own skill, right? Like I, I can truly sell, not just to the business. I don't like, cause that's what everyone's doing that. We're all like, quote unquote, selling to the business, right? If you're selling to the CEO, you have a whole nother set of skills. So maybe inside of this vertical thing is like, that's really what's happening. It's like, we know well, how to sell to 10 or 20 of the world's biggest companies and their CEOs. Yeah. And, and, and probably, uh, Korean has, you know, a, a fairly good Rolodex of, Oracle people, um, where he can say like, look, you're going to be, you're going to be my VP of sales for pharmaceuticals <laughs> because yeah. he's got like that, 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 fo you know, uh, that, that guy or gal who knows how to sell to that, how to build those relationships and, you know, has been doing it for 10, 15 years and, you know, and then just get, says, Hey, you know, I see your, uh, you know, your, you know, you're, you're making pills and doing all this research. Let us tell you how Google can do that better for you and, you know, share this vision going forward where you're selling a vision about how you can be a long-term partner when you're talking to, you know, the, the C, this, the higher C, C executives 
Um, whereas if you're, you know, selling to, you know, director of ops or, you know, manager of, of, uh, infrastructure, like they don't, they're not there for the vision. You know, they're not, there, they're there for the tools. And so as you, as you move up the stack, you're, you're talking about much more than tools. You, you probably never, ever mentioned tools. You're talking about, you know, the kinds of stuff that shows up in like, you know, these uh, McKinsey reports about next 10 years, right? You're like, oh, we're going to talk about AI. And, you know, you never say TensorFlow to a, a CEO, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, you know, we're here to talk about how, you know, we have this vision together and how we can, you know, and it's it's really hand-wavy, but because you've been doing it for a while, you probably have some, you know, skins on the wall and, and you can say, look, I know what, you know, Novartis is going through because we helped, you know, this other company just like them do it or, you know, and then you make some introductions, you know, you don't, you know, so your CEO has to become one of your best sales people. Um, Cause at the end of the day, like that's probably the CEO's job is sales. Oh, I mean, you know, everyone in a software company, that's your job. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the CEO is probably a salesperson. At, at the end of the day, like you can say, oh, you know, they're a technical visionary, blah, blah, blah. But they're going to spend a fair amount of their time talking to the big accounts. Right. I think that's 100 percent true. And I, so that's why I think this is kind of fascinating to watch here. Right. Because Google has largely, you know, at least we think of Google, let's say, as being like this consumer search company and things like that. And of course, they have fleets of salespeople selling ads to advertising executives and you know, things like that. I think that's, that's no secret there. So what I'm interested in, in here though, is how does this take, right? Because this seems to be like, like this announcement in some ways is sort of like that friction point of, Hey, you know, GCP is this developer friendly, uh, you know, <clears throat> cloud and has all this great technology. And, you know, they were really the owners or, you know, the beginning of Kubernetes. And of course that spins out of the board, the Borg product inside of that. So it's a very like bottoms up engineering culture. I think, you know, I don't think it would be saying anything newsworthy to say that like a lot of these tools are really hardened, right. And built with, you know, like I always think of like the, a lot of the people that left sun that ended up at Google, like super, smart computer scientists building some of the just like the best technology around right and i think that's what google has assembled so it's interesting as they, they kind of layer on top of this the enterprise sales because what you said before it's like it's when you're doing these sales it's not really about the technology you're not really talking about tensor yeah. your thing so like how does the culture here right like if the strength is this great i mean you can tell you can kind of spin it either way hey we have this great technology we're going to layer on top of it an enterprise CEO sales model with the verticals and it's all going to go great because it's like best of breed of both or yep. you get in there and what often frustrates people who when these when a CEO does buy something right and it's like hey we're all using we, we just did this big deal with any large enterprise vendor just pick them right is the people that have to use the tools are really frustrated they're like these are not the tools I want to use like I don't like these tools well, I don't want to use it and so it creates a lot of blowback sometimes right and this is where where you know you can kind of go the other way where the company starts to get a bad rap because you're forcing this group of people to use a set of tools they don't necessarily want to use and that can create a lot of friction in an organization too yeah yeah well what's kind of interesting about about Oracle is you know people 
rag on them for, you know, sales tactics and relationships with their customers about like mostly contractual stuff. Mm -hmm. You very rarely hear people say like, oh, that Oracle technology wasn't good. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And and so if you can, (laughs) if you can graph the good parts of the sales model from Oracle (laughs) onto, you know, the, the, uh, the impression that people have of the Google engineering, you know, caliber, you know, they're like, well, if it's Google, it's the best, you know, and then you're like, well, these Oracle sales, you know, these former Oracle salespeople <laughs> uh, have all learned the error of their ways and they're all reformed now. Um, maybe, maybe you're onto something. And, and which is probably why it feels like, it feels like we don't see a lot of the ins and outs of the Salesforce news about the other public clouds as much as we do about Google, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we don't see, you know, these, these tech radar articles about, you know, oh, uh, uh, you know, Amazon is uh, doubling down on their international markets and, you know, they're going to be driving into Southeast Asia with, you know, this many salespeople. It's like, that's not news. People want, <laughs> it's like, you know, they're I, just doing I, it. Yeah. They, yeah <laughs> it's like, you know, but, but when, you know, when Google announces that, you know, that we had that, you know, tech radar article about, you know, restructuring plans, you know what, probably every Salesforce every single year has some sort of restructuring, oh, right? Some sort of realignment, right? Yeah, and so like, is it a major restructuring plan when, you know, Texas is now part of the Southwest instead of the <laughs> South, right? Uh, is it a major restructuring plan when, you know, we've decided that Taiwan is is part of APAC, but not China mm-hmm. and, and the Salesforce, right? I mean, it, I don't know. So to, to probably to the people on the ground, it is. You know, the the people at the sales kickoff. That's pretty major, but that doesn't make the news mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you're like Google, who I don't know if they're are there PR people flogging these things or you know why is there this fascination? Well, he did. About... I think the reason this got um, <laughs> this got uh, picked up was I think I believe Tom's Curran presented his plan at an investor Goldman Sachs investor conference, right? Like here's this plan for re I'm kind of reshaping GCP and what was going to happen there. And then therefore it got like picked up. So I think, and I think, you know, the other thing that's interesting is um, because like we're all just really familiar with Google because probably everyone uses it like many times a day. Um, it's, and I think in the fact that they're in third place, right there, I don't know. And we can even argue are they, that. Are other, they third? I was going to yeah. say, that's another issue, right? Like people are starting to argue, but, but clearly I, I think, if you follow this at this point, the narrative of being AWS is number one, Microsoft is definitive number two. And then there's like, who's going to like fill in this third spot, right? There's, you know, um, you know, Alibaba was, was discussed. They're doing pretty well. Uh, IBM, there was this article that maybe they're doing well and you can kind of get into like, like who's counting what revenue for what, but like, so I think we're just kind of interested in like, you know, who's going to emerge as the third place. And I thought this other thread that I saw on Twitter around Google was really interesting too, because, um, and it's it's you can read it here. So basically, it was uh, politics around Istio and K Native within Google are fascinating. And I thought this was an interesting little quote. People frequently conflate open governance and neutral IP ownership. It depends greatly on the foundation, but in the case of the CNCF, there are literally zero governance requirements enforced on projects. CNCF right. projects can be and are single vendor governed. And so what I thought was interesting here, and what this this person was going on to say is that. There has been a lot of you know t- talk I think in the world of the, the Cub- Kubernetes worries like you know Istio and K Native have not been you know if you will become CNCF projects right and I think a lot and that's where that that quote is coming from is like well people think that like oh the, you know this means like what are they doing and so in, in this thread goes on to talk about how you know speculation I shouldn't say no one's quoted so it's just speculation is that like 
that people within Google feel like they gave away too much with Kubernetes, right? Because right. By making it neutral IP ownership, they essentially allowed an entire ecosystem to grow around it. And now it becomes with this. And I think if when you're in third place and you're not <laughs> quote unquote, like doing as much as you want, like I've seen this argument many places. I think you have too, Matt, right? Where it's like, suddenly it's like, well, we sh there's just a lot of second guessing. It's like, why did we do this? If we hadn't yeah. given this product and made it, I'm going to not say open source here. I'm going to say neutral IP ownership that we would have been doing so much better. And there's a lot of infighting, right? I think this happens at a lot of companies that have, you know, tried to traverse open source, right? It's like, there's just like people want to fight and make excuses. Cause like, what else can you do? If you're not winning, right? It's just like, <laughs> you know, it's hard. Business is hard. So, so I think this is really interesting, but I, I, I wanted your opinion. Like, let's assume for a minute, let's go like a, a counterfactual. Let's assume Google did not uh, make Kubernetes, you know, put it under neutral IP ownership. Right. What do you think would have happened? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I, I think it probably would have ended up similar to Docker where people are like, you know, you've got this open source thing, but you're not really taking a lot of community input. We're going to have this alternate implementation. Um, and, you know, we're, you, you're holding it too tightly, and the rest of us want to innovate over this thing. I think uh, I, I kind of feel like a Kubernetes-like thing was inevitable. Mm -hmm. um, and And so, you know, that's kind of what happened to Mesosphere, right? Right. Well, I think I was thinking, so if we go back in time, I think one, one idea is like something else would have emerged as in the open source neutral IP ownership, or, yeah. you know, you would have gone something like this. I think AWS doubles down on ECS, right? Oh, yeah. They just yeah. go that route. Oh, absolutely. Microsoft calls Docker back and is like, hey. Let's let's do this. Let's just get this. Or, or they call or, or, or here, But I think back. I don't know. I just felt like the swarm one was like it's like, hey, we're gonna get swarms, and then we would have, you know, the Microsoft swarm thing, whatever that would become. ECS, you know, if you will, like you know, although ECS is still around, but you know, if they will, AWS spends all of yeah, the but, container but there side was... there, and then we'd have yeah. the the Kubernetes inside Google. And so, like, I, and I think, like, no, it just would have it would have not helped us at all. So I was going to actually think to myself, it's like, I bet you these arguments are happening inside Google, but I'm going to go the other way and be like, you know, there's the tragedy of the commons. I don't know what the equivalent is. I'm going to call it the victory of the commons. Like, no, we're actually all better off. I think even Google's better off that like yeah. we've everybody's yeah, they've just made, they've made agreed the pie on bigger. this. They've yeah. raised all the boats, right? They've introduced they've introduced people to you know Google style cloud native concepts faster. I, and I, I think that's the key, right? If they if they had held it, it would have still happened. You know, probably would have had easier to pronounce the name than Kubernetes. But uh, it probably was an idea whose time had come. <laughs> yeah. And so the alternate implementation of you know instead of you know instead of Docker, we ended up with you know CRI and and you know our you know all these. Uh, alternate implementations from core OS, you know, one of those would have taken off and they would have put it in to a, a, a shared uh, governance model and that would have taken off. And, you know, maybe, maybe Istio uh, is kind of going through that. Um, you know, the, they're obviously fighting through this. Uh, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think it's a solved problem, but I also don't think it's central enough where it's impacting enough people to, to fight it that hard, right? There are, you know, there are alternative implementations that are fine. The governance model hasn't really impacted everybody. It's not the central focus, right? So, you know, this is like saying, well, you know, oh, 
we're fighting over. I mean, I don't want to belittle Istio, you know, service meshes and stuff, but like there are alternate implementations, and people seem to get by with any of them, and they're all open source, so um, not a problem. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. Like, I feel like the framework. What, I don't even know what you want to call it. Is Kubernetes a platform? Is it a framework? I don't know. You know, just check. Someone go look at Kelsey Hightower's tweets. Like, what is he calling it today? Whatever the thing is, right? Whatever Kubernetes is, it's like yeah, yeah, that's a base thing we can all work from, and it's fine. If you want to make these things pluggable, you know, that seems fine. Like, I don't, I don't know. To me, like, I don't have any like. I don't have any blood pressure going up or down when people are like, oh, STO, it's not in CNC. It's like, fine. I mean, I'm just like, I, it just doesn't, I don't think it affects yeah. anybody. People are like, yeah, we'll find a way to do it or yeah. there's plenty of other things we do. Or, or really, I think a lot of people are like, we're just not having this problem yet. Like maybe eventually exactly. we'll get there and we'll care about this. But right now it's like, we're fine. So yeah, this, um, is, this is not a central fight. So yeah. Right. So I think what we can agree. Well, this is how we agree. We can tell all the people at Google, you made the right decision. Don't feel bad. You guys <laughs> Don't can feel fight. Bad. You can fight about other things. I'm not saying I, do if you feel good, go do your industry verticals. Seems like great. I don't know. Maybe it'll work great. I bet you will make lots of money that way. But don't feel bad about the Kubernetes thing. I think it's yeah. going to be all right. And what, then what um, I want to hear what I want to hear more about is is this acquisition they just made about a mainframe migration service. Cornerstone. This is I, uh, this is our wheelhouse you know, right here. Our, our, like our, our suddenly you and I are excited. Now has a platinum sponsor, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, there's nothing more perfect than oh, than fantastic. mainframe migration. This is our I mean, this is our this is our world. This is what we want. Like bring it on. <laughs> Welcome to the club, Google. It's like you're getting in here, right? I love the whole thing. Yeah. They, the cornerstone thing, let's help them, you know, with all the migration services. Looker, I don't even know that much about Looker. I is, is it like just log file? I mean, it seems like just more logging and searching. It's like, all right, great. Like, you know, we need some of that too. That seems great. We need some info. So I love this. This this to me, the Cornerstone acquisition, I think was, because, uh, you know, this is probably the easiest acquisition because I doubt anyone at Google was like, you know what I want to work on? Mainframe migrations. Mm. They're like, you know what? Why don't you just go buy someone? And I think that was probably so, an easy conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, Google, good work, Google. Don't worry about the Kubernetes. <laughs> and best of luck with your new enterprise verticals. We'll, we'll be out there cheering for you. I, in our I'm own looking way. forward to uh, you know, their East Australia uh, sales rep. <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, in other news, there was uh, a bunch of, I mean, just a ton of security news. You know, this just oh, in, yeah. the world is. But I thought we would go back because, Matt, you're. Yeah, I, I kind of think of you as our paranoid security person on this podcast. Like, <laughs> thank, you, um, thank you for saying paranoid security and not paranoid schizophrenic. I yeah, thought that's what well, you were going to say. I mean, like, that, ah. that's a different podcast. That's like, that. you know, when we go mainstream, we'll talk about um, emotional psychology and stuff. But right now, we're just going to, let's just keep it to the world of, keep it of, light. Of, of crazy security. So, you know, I'm always like, yeah, you know, there's all this security stuff. It's fine. It's all going to work, right? So, like, let's just pick, like, WhatsApp or I like, I use iMessage. So, it's like, all these things have a lot of different security stuff. And you think to yourself, like, okay, you know, if you know enough, you're like, these, I can send messages. They're going to be secure, right? And it's not going to be any problem. But then, you know, I read this article from the Washington Post, and it's about how the CIA secretly bought a company that sold encryption and devices across the world <laughs> for like – In 1947. And I think it yeah. went on for like, I don't like know. 50, 50, 50, the, the company – uh, the company ended in 2017. Yeah. So, and, and so it, it just finally came <laughs> out, right? And that, and then, uh, and so basically they built in 
you know, I, I don't know what you want to call them, exploits, or basically they figured out a way that if you use these devices, they could essentially crack all, yeah. all the messages. Yeah. Right? They got weak ciphers, um, physical yeah. and, and, you know, electronic before, the, you know, the age of digital encryption. And uh, essentially there was this Swiss company um, called Crypto AG that they were the ones who were selling like, secu- you know, encryption devices to most of the world. Uh, except for like the Eastern Bloc, you know, the the Warsaw Pact and the the, the Russians and and the Chinese apparently were wary of this, but pretty much everybody else was buying stuff from Crypto AG, this you know Swiss security company that you know they were outfitting embassies and you know all these you know high level uh, places and the CIA and the West German government had you know, pretty much stuck their fingers into it and, and were, you know, advising them like what to weaken, what to do, and then just, you know, reaping the benefits of, you know, 40 years of unchecked access to the world's secrets. And the best part of this article is there's a, you know, not surprisingly, this company hired a lot of smart people. There's a woman in there who's like, she's like, I guess, I don't know, we're going to call it like equivalent of like a code review in, in this world of like whatever they're doing. And she's like, this is all wrong. Like you, this is weak. This can be broken. Like she kind of figures it out. And so she's yeah. just like, so she just starts like building a better one and they have to like, basically like, <laughs> like whoa, reassign whoa. her or convince her yeah. to like, cause like, they're like, and she's like, what are you doing? Like this, I need to make, you know, this isn't, this can be broken. Right. And, and it's like, whoa, 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 don't fix that. Don't, that's fine. Don't look over there. And I thought <laughs> that part was fascinating. And then this made me think though, it's like back to, um, cause there was this other thing that happened recently, the, the DNS, what security root signing ceremony. So they, uh-huh. uh, you know, essentially they, the root, yeah, the, I guess they're introducing some, uh, you know, basically the servers that de- define like .com and .net, you know, like, you know, who who can basically say if something a domain is right. And so they, they go through, they, they outline the process of doing this. It's like, I don't know, it's like 50 steps, 12 people, like auditors, and you're like, I, I kind of read it. I'm like, this is kind of overboard. And then I read this other thing. I'm like, I don't know if they're, if they're doing it secure enough. I'm like, is there oh, yeah. somebody from the CIA, like a deep plant in there, right? He's like... He's just been, you know, he's he's sort of infiltrated all of the DNS root certificates or whatever, you know, the Apple iMessage keys or the WhatsApp keys or Signal. So I'm just thinking to myself, like, what do you think right now? Like, what's being exploited that we don't know about? Like, where we think, like, no, this is, like, legitimately encrypted, right? This is, like, this is actually a safe thing that you can uh, count on not being uh, intercepted. Like, what do you think that... Is being decoded that we have no idea that we would be like, oh my god, this is incredible. Well, that's that, that's a key to to you know, the the crypto AG story is you can't let on that you know everything, right? Right, and, and this, I mean, in, in World War II, like they thoroughly broken all, yeah. all, all uh-huh. the all the Japanese codes, but you know they had to make it look like like when they uh, when they shot down the the head admiral's plane, you know they had all this like fake you know fake and you know anti intel that they knew you know that they had discovered him and they you know they they planted like oh you know they accidentally found out where he was and they you know they just got lucky and shot him down when they knew exactly where he was going right and so with all this you know crypto ag stuff it was like they've known you know the other side of of things like the uh iranian hostage crisis you know they had all their messages they you know the falkland islands they cracked all of argentina's stuff and were you know giving stuff to the british it's just 
you can't give everything away because then people just don't trust it at all, ever. Right. right? So that's probably happened with lots of stuff. <laughs> and, and there's always probably you know some sort of counter intel going on to make it look like, oh, well, this person was sloppy here, or you know, mm-hmm. you you know, and, and that's that's what was kind of happening with uh, the Jeff Be- Bezos stuff about you know his phone. Um, where they were like, oh, well, his brother-in-law had access to his, you know, girlfriend, or not his brother-in-law, his, you know, the brother of his girlfriend, yeah, or whatever had access, yeah, had access to the phone. Like, no, it was actually through WhatsApp, right? (laughs) And so it's like, you, the the problem is like, yeah, this stuff's been going on forever. Mm -hmm. And when... I don't know if anybody's really safe. I know you know that you've got your uh, your your serious uh, tinfoil hat wearers over in uh, the Kali Linux world in the the OpenBSD mailing list. So maybe maybe they've got some ideas, but you know they're they're not sending messages online much. So who knows? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think the WhatsApp. I don't, I don't have a good answer. I don't trust yeah. anything. <laughs> I was gonna say no. The Jeff Be- uh, Bezos one was uh, was interesting because because you know they they keep saying it was like a WhatsApp exploit and it's like it kind of just ends there i mean it's like but like i don't know i thought whatsapp was encrypted and like and it was on an iphone and iphone has the secure enclave it's like i've never like read some different things but i haven't seen anything like wait a minute like so it wouldn't shock me if like there's like more to that story right you know like around it's like well actually this other thing was going on um and then you know while i was reading all these things there's, there's this other um article that's come out it's called the end of privacy and so there is evidently a, uh, you can listen to this podcast. There's a, a, a secretive startup that is basically, you know, they, I guess they were um, scanning all of Facebook and all the images in, you know, essentially that you can get off the internet like and, her, and, yeah. and um, basically do facial recognition. So, and I guess yeah. it is really accurate. Um, and I, when I say really accurate, I guess it's the, the reporter is like, you can basically put it in there and, you know, it, it does seem to successfully find lots of people. I'm not saying there's some inaccuracy, but, uh, and I guess the thing about this is that it's been slowly been used by law enforcement. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. catching fugitives. And so, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's, you know, this is, you know, this is kind of back to like, you know, not, nothing secret. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think you put any of this, like, I understand why everyone's going to talk about it and why like there'll probably be calls for regulation and we need to think about how we use it. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's all true, but it, it does feel like it's a little too late. It's like, if you're out in public, like it, you know, that idea, what is, uh, what is that TV show, right? Where you know, everyone can just hold up a phone and like get a score. But like, I think people can basically hold up a phone now, take your picture and probably yep. pretty quickly get, you know, figure out who you are without much effort. So, yeah. um, so I don't know, I guess it's just, I guess at the end of reading all this this week, I was just like, well, um, you just to have to a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I think it's just like, you know, there's just no going back. So like you just, it just redefines. It's like, yeah, the idea that you just you're just going to live with less privacy right like if you have maybe say it this way once humanity has kind of committed to having computers everywhere like in my house i've got like the cell phone my computer whole i even like i like the uh you know the echo devices i got them all over the house for listening to music everywhere so like everything when i think about it like pretty much everything's being recorded all the time at this point so it's like so be aware of that. I don't know, but like, does it matter? I guess if everyone's being watched, like, what else can you do? I don't. I don't know if there's anything practically that can be done. Um, and if you truly need to keep something secret, like, you need to like, you know, take a like, uh, get undressed, take a shower, put on clothes, leave every electronic device. I mean, you do. You, you become a tinfoil hat yeah. kind of person. There's no other way around it. Well, I, I mean, 
I haven't read the whole book yet, but when uh, 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 Snowden's uh, biography or autobiography where he talked about, you know, trying to evade the NSA and the government. Yeah, it's pretty much, you know, don't trust any electronic devices, period. <laughs> right. And, and then it's like always carry, you know, a lighter and paper and pen. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And, and, and that's seen. about it. Yeah. So. And uh, I, you just kind of learn to live with it. But uh, the problem is there are not good controls over uh, all this data. Um, and so companies like the, the Clearview can build you know, massive facial recognition databases completely without regulation. And then, you know, people like, oh, it's, you know, that's too much. And they're like, well, that's kind of out of the bag. You've got um, huge tracking databases of, of, you know, people tracking cell phones that are completely private where anyone can go and just buy, you know, not anybody, but anybody can go and get access to like, all of your movement for, you know, since you've been holding a cell phone. Um, so it's, I don't know what the right level of paranoia is, but, uh, you know. I, well, I let me it, give so. you a little bit. Here's, here's <laughs> the, uh, we'll, we'll, we're bringing home on this. Like, so having read all this, um, there's this, this our final article this week around security. It, was, uh, it, it tell, tells us the average tenure of a CISO is just 26 months due yeah. to high stress and burnout. And I do think, like I, I did after reading this article, I thought to myself, like, yeah, like I would never want to be a CISO. Like that no. seems like an awful job. Like even like I don't know, like even like double the money. Like you know, you, you kind of think to yourself, like, what would it really take to do it? And then if you were able to do it, you would do something like this. Like, yeah, I just want to like make a ton of money, work at it for basically two years, and get out, right? Because you know the the downside risk at every company around getting, you know, I mean, essentially becoming a scapegoat for any type of breach seems yep. so high and the amount of influence and resources you're normally given as a CISO is, I don't know, it doesn't, there's it's, just it's no way enough. you're going right. to protect yourself. Because if you're, if you're a, if you're a high profile target, like a bank, um, you're going to, you're going to be, you know, have a lot of sleepless nights and you're going to be like, well, we need to implement, you know, these draconian measures. And meanwhile, you're running windows 2008, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're like, we need to lock everything down. And you look at your 5,000 person workforce and you're like, how are we going to do that? Right. It's just. Brandon's in there with his iPhone taking pictures and messages. (laughs) Like exactly. You've got this bring your own device policy and people are showing up with their, you know, Samsung (laughs) notes from, you know, five years ago with like seven raspberry pies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jump drives is like, what's going on over there. I mean, you, you can't implement things hard enough, fast enough, right enough. And anything you do that's hard enough is going to like block so much, success i you know finding the right balance and getting to stick around longer than 26 months is is going to be hard um which you know which leads us to uh another article that kind of really <laughs> shook me um it was uh in in the new york magazine um is that new york times magazine whatever um called how much of the internet is fake uh <laughs> where they estimate 60% of all internet traffic is fake and you know i read this and then i read it again and i'm like they're right <laughs> i mean cuz if 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 you if you just start talking about like any given thing like i want to go buy something on amazon mm-hmm. and then you know i have to wait through fake reviews 
yeah. um, of possibly fake products yeah, definitely. Uh, that are put together by companies that are, um, you know, there's yeah. another article about, you know, fake brands that, you know, have, that only live long enough to be shut down, you know, but they can, they can do knockoffs of stuff, you know, on these marketplaces. And then Amazon doesn't really want to know who's really that fake. Uh, and then you've got review sites that are full of fake content and you've got ads running on those review sites where people are goosing those ads with fake click throughs. Uh, you've got, you know, journalism sites trying to expose fake click throughs that are running ads that get DDoSed by fake clicks being reported to Google to take down their advertising revenue because they're, you know, having fake ads. It's just it layers on and on and on. And everywhere you go, you know, even even the the watchdogs are getting attacked by fake traffic. You know, and then they go onto Twitter and oh my gosh, that's a cesspool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and and you know, and and apparently like half of half of Americans are getting their news from Facebook. It uh, not good. It's really crazy. <laughs> no, I think it is. It's it's pretty amazing when you kind of like delve into it. And I think I don't know. I mean, it is it is one of those things. It's it's um, I guess it's what what um, that uh, former analyst over at uh, A16Z, what Benedict Evans, right? He said the whole thing like the software seeing the world, but now all the world's problems are expressed through software. And I think that's you know an interesting time, right? Is sort of humanity just deals with all of this. It's like because like you said, I think earlier, like a lot of this isn't going away. So we just you're just gonna have to figure it out. But I'll tell you this though: one, if you're Dell, you know what you do in the security thing. Dell, they just decided, like, you know, we're going to sell RSA security business. They sold that <laughs> business for, for $2 million. So that was, you know, one of the M&A things this week. Um, and I think we, we'll just sit on a final other, like, just random stats of the week. Rancher Labs, 169% revenue growth. So I guess they've doubled, you know, the, the money that they were making. I don't know, Rancher, right? Just another way to, <laughs> I'm sure they'll appreciate this. Another way to configure Kubernetes, right? Like, isn't that, is that, isn't that their thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, trying to, trying to make it, uh, easier to consume and, uh, they're kind of focusing on some of the edge devices or, you know, um, edge networks and, and smaller, uh, footprint stuff. Um, I, I think there's a good niche there. I, I, okay. you know, they, they've like got it. a, they've from, from the, the Kubernetes folks that, that I talk to, they, they like Rancher. They like Rancher. You know? They like it. All right, yeah. cool. All right, well, congratulations to them. And then Matt, you're our, uh, you know, as the official Asia Pacific uh, correspondent. You know, all about the cloud. And it looks like they reach uh, one billion dollars for the quarter. So, so the fight for third. Like everyone keeps like uh, issuing kind of different numbers with like vague qualifications. So Alibaba's in there, IBM's in there, Google's in there, Oracle's in there. So I don't know. We're at, maybe in a future episode we're gonna have to dive into these numbers, or maybe someone will do that work for us and be like, who's really making? <laughs> the most money in cloud in third place because it's well, it is hard to figure out who's counting what. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of the point is that I was making about like the the Google stuff is like you want to be in the news so people think about you you know mm-hmm. as opposed to just like knee jerk going to AWS or Azure, um, you know just hey Alibaba you know they're putting themselves in the news you know I guess maybe they're third maybe they're fourth. But uh, here we are talking about them. So, yeah, all right. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And then uh, a couple other random things. If you're looking for stuff to read, I actually thought the history of Git, I guess this is uh, Linus Tor- Torvald, you know, the way he can cre- uh, created Git, which has obviously gone on to become GitHub and GitLab. Yeah, yeah. That's a good read. That was kind of interesting. Um, you know, Amazon yeah, I, is good. I, I met, uh, I, I met uh, Linus Torvalds at well, LinuxCon once, and uh, 
probably a bit of a troll, but I thanked him for inventing Git. It's so funny. <laughs> I didn't even mention Linux. The <laughs> article like, is just like he took a week off and wrote it, and you're like, wow, and that's gone on to spawn like a whole yeah. other set of companies. So, so read yeah. that. That's a good thing to read. Amazon uh, successfully, uh, I guess, is suing. They got an injunction on the Jedi contract. So I don't know, man. That Jedi thing, we could be talking that for a long time. I don't think we have anything to say this week. We will. Than, like, There's nothing new. Yeah, they're it's, just it. Yep. Just keep suing each other. So we'll see what happens there. Um, so you know some other good, good links in there to, to check out. And then finally, if uh, if you didn't get enough Amazon in this episode, you can watch uh, Amazon Empire. It's the latest uh, Frontline: The Rise and Reign of Jeff Bezos or Bezos. Oh. Uh, so if you want to read more, if you didn't read uh, the Everything Store and you want like kind of like a condensed version in two hours of what's going on, on Amazon, check that out. So that's I, I expected that to be your, your pick for the week. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like that one. <laughs> that one I actually raised up to like, well, this is kind of related to what we talk about. So it was, it was good. It was interesting. I, you know, um, watch it. Decide for yourself. So, all right, Matt. Um, really didn't know. I, I think we should. We should give a quick shout out to our friends at Arrested DevOps podcast. So now that you're done listening to this one, go uh, search for Arrested DevOps and listen to uh, all of our friends. <laughs> what's that? Get, get a little more serious. Yeah, get a little uh, more serious. And the hear, DevOps. Yeah, hear about what's really going on. So go go listen to them. They always have a lot of great episodes. I think they had one this week, a good interview. So check that out. Matt. Tell me what conference. Aren't you going to be in a conference this week, in fact? Is, it, is that right? Uh, is that the rumor? Yes. Uh, I'm going to be presenting at HashiTalks uh, virtual conference. Um, it's f- tomorrow for me, but uh, it's the 20th of February, and uh, I'll be presenting uh, Terraform and Chef uh, better together. So, uh, you know, just putting together my, my quick 30-minute talk, and uh, hopefully I'll have other versions of it at other conferences around the around the world later this year. All right, good. And then I think uh, looks Coach over here, he tell you he's going to the QCon conference in London in March. Um, he'll probably be at a... Oh, actually, no, we do have a nice discount code for KubeCon EU. That's in Amsterdam from the 30th. So the coupon code is uh, KCEUSDP15. That'll give you 15% off. Uh, yep. I think we're going to do a little software-defined talk thing at DevOps Days Austin 2020, March, May 4th and 5th. So... I think they just finished their uh, call for papers or presentations or whatever it is. So that's okay, though. Get in there. Register to go to the show. You'll see me and Kote. We'll give away some stickers. Matt, you're going to be at ChefConf in Seattle in June. And then, of course, check out DevOps Day in Minneapolis. That's August 4th and 5th. You can use the code SDT. Oh, I love this code, SDT. And that'll give you 10% off. And then finally... Rounding out the summer, you go to that conference, August 3rd through the 6th in Wisconsin. Um, and I think their call for counselors, which is speakers for them, that ends March 1st. So if you hurry, you can probably get one right. in there. Matt, we also have a special giveaway this week. I have a free copy, a digital copy of a book called here, Code Your Way Up, Rise to the Challenge of Software Leadership. I've never read it. I don't know. I want someone to read it and they can tell me if it's good or not. So if Ooh. you want it, just be the first person to either uh, DM me on the SDT Slack or Twitter, and I will send you the code, and you can read it, and then you can tell us if it's if, if it's any good. Um, <laughs> finally, uh, or or I could do it because you know <laughs> this hasn't been released yet. That's right. I'm not reading. Now, you know, I will say, like people, we we get a lot of people emailing us to like have authors on. I'm just like, no, just send me the book code, and then we'll give it away. And if it's good. Someone will come back to us and tell us it's good. Um, I sent some stickers this week to Nicholas in Tennessee. Uh, happy he wrote in. If you want stickers, just send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to send you stickers anywhere in the world. 
course, we have all the, the Twitter, the Instagram, the LinkedIn. You know, we've got it all. So just, you know, go out there and find us on the social media if, if that's your thing. Unless you're Matt Ray, then don't. Don't find us. Stay off the social media. You decide. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Nakote, here. he wants you to buy uh, his book there. So, you know, the digital WTF. Although I think he's got another book out now, too. So, he want, I don't know, yeah. buy one of Cote's book. He's, you know, he's always doing that. All right, Matt, what's your recommendation this week? Uh, so this week, um, I subscribed to a, a newsletter co- called the orbital index. Uh, it's just about like the week's space news. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, sp- sp- the space industry is, uh, uh, quite fascinating to me. And one of those things, like, I kind of wish I could work in it, but it's, it's like the gaming industry. It doesn't actually pay that well and has crazy hours and cause they know everybody wants to do it. Yeah, um, so I, I, I'm a, I'm a, a tourist. So I, I like to read about what's going on. And, uh, they link to a, a blog, uh, from a guy named Casey Handmeyer, Handmeyer, uh, an Australian, mm-hmm. uh, who I think he's a, a journalist who writes a lot of space stuff, but his long form blog posts are uh, quite good. Um, just about like everything from, you know, solar power, uh, you know, the economics of space mining things in space to mining things on the moon uh, to generating power in, in space. You know, I wasted a lot of time reading, like, I, I wouldn't say waste cause I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, and then he's got, educated uh, yourself. yes, I educated myself and, uh, really enjoyed, uh, his blog. So, so subscribe to that, get on uh, his, his mailing list too. Uh, those are my picks. Space right. stuff. Space stuff. All right. Well, there you go. If you can't work in space, read about space, I guess, would be the way to go. All right. Well, I'm going a totally different way. I've been watching the McMillions uh, HBO documentary series. It's about a group of people that scammed the uh, McDonald's Monopoly game back in, like, I don't know, whatever, for the like early, late 90s, early 2000s. And it's, I have to say, like, I played the Monopoly game. I remember going to McDonald's, collecting the pieces. I remember trying to win. Uh, and get all uh, Boardwalk and Park Place, but now I know it was all rigged. So you can, it's just a crazy story. I mean, like some of the people, like it's, it's it can't, you can't make it up. So if you're interested in just uh, wasting time and watching something crazy, uh, I guess, I guess we would call it true crime, but it's sort of true crime with like a, a McDonald's take on it, if you will. So it's, it's a fun, fun thing to, to check out on HBO. All right. Well, I'm sure Kote is off on vacation having a great time. He'll probably be back next week. But if not, you'll just get me and Matt again. Who knows? We never really know. Um, But with that, hopefully everyone had a good one, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.